God is faithful. You know, the last, I'm, I'm, we're going to come to the portion of the service where we're going to celebrate the, the table. And last time I was up here, I took us on a little journey. I'm not going to do that today, but I'm going to ask each and every one of us a question. How many in here are thirsty this morning? I mean, truly, are you thirsty? Let me see your hands. I mean, don't be bashful. I know I'm a little bit thirsty. So what I'm going to say this morning is, sometimes we get in dry places. Maybe not of our own doing, but sometimes it is. And we, we forget about the Lord. But I was thinking on this word to bring this, this week. And you know when, you've all heard the story of the Samaritan lady that came to the well to draw water. And Jesus walked up to her and he told her everything about her. What she, how many husbands she had and all this. And she, he told her, he says, if you drink from that water, you'll become thirsty again. But if you drink my water, you'll never be thirsty again. So I'm asking you again, are you thirsty? I'm talking about the living water, which is Jesus. He wants us to come to him when we need a touch. And when we forget him, that hurts him. I was thinking on this word, and then I wondered if it was what I should bring. I was watching the TV yesterday, and I was flipping through the channels, and I came to a Christian's channel, and I turned it on. And the title of the Christian channel at that moment was The Living Water. So I said, well, I guess I'm supposed to say this. But you know, God is faithful. And when we get in spots that we can't get out of and we forget God, we're in big trouble. So if you need a, if you need a drink this morning and you're thirsty, he's here. He wants to pour out the water on each and every one of us. And when that well, from that well, you will never thirst again. But if we drink from the well that's got the pure water in it, it'll go dry. But this table, it will never go dry. We have a wonderful Savior. He died for each and every one of us. He poured out his blood so that you and I can have eternal life. And he keeps pouring out the water when we become thirsty. So I encourage you this morning, don't be bashful if you're thirsty. Ask him. He's waiting on you. And don't be afraid. His arms is around you now. So I encourage you this morning.
drink from the living water and you'll never thirst again. Will the man come forward? I'm going to read from Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's don't forget him. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So this morning, if you need a drink of living water and whatever you need, he's here. He's here to bless. He's already blessed us. And let's not forget that. So I just thank Jesus this morning for what he did and what he's going to do. And I want to ask him to bless each and every one of us this coming week. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful table that you have provided for us. You shed your blood and your body for us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you is not even close to being good enough. But you did it because you love us. And as we partake of these emblems, let us be reminded that we're taking the body and your blood And we give you thanks for that this day. Bless each and every one here this morning. And bless the rest of the service as we go into it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good job, guys. Morning, everyone. Grace and peace to y'all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's good to be here this morning. It's good to see everybody. And we're still in January, so technically it's still New Year, right? And I don't know about y'all, but uh, for those of y'all who are in the uh, corporate world, and maybe you've experienced something like this before. It's most of the time, it's not all the time, but a lot of times when a new year comes, uh, new things kind of happen with your job. Like, uh, for example, to kind of get to the point, uh, performance review. The, the yearly or whenever performance review kind of comes up. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to speak for myself right now. That is nerve-wracking. Okay? I mean, that, that is... I mean, it's, it's good for what it does and how it functions, but when you're the reviewee, it, it, it can be anxiety-filled, your palms are sweaty, you want to say the right things, you know, you don't want to come across as too confident, but you, want to tell, you don't want to, you know, tell them all the reasons why you don't need to be there either. You know, you're, try, you're trying to, you know, say the right things, and, and so you get your piece of paper and you review yourself, right, which is awful. Because it's like, well, I can't say I'm horrible at that because, you know, that's what I do. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to say that I'm too good at this because what if they then get me to do it and I'm awful at it? You know, so and, and, and what if they don't agree with, with how I, of, of what their assessment of my performance is? You know, so there's all these things that are in play. And I've had reviews go really well. I've had reviews go very bad. I've had reviews go where we were kind of in line with thinking of, uh, of the review of my assessment as an employee. And then there's been times when it was way off, where, where, where I either thought I wasn't really where I needed to be, and they thought I was doing great, or the reverse. I thought I was doing a pretty good job, and that was not the assessment they had. So it's a very... If, if, you've, if you've experienced that, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Is this familiar with anyone? Okay. All right. So that's kind of, kind of leads us into the theme today. Uh, the title of this message today is The Final Review. And there's, in, so imagine if you will, and, and I don't believe it's going to be like this at all. I mean, this is just out of an illustration to kind of prove the point and to kind of present the message today. And so imagine if after this life there is a final review. It surely may not go, go down like the review in like an employer-employee setting, but for this illustration's sake, let's imagine if it did. How would a performance review of your life look like when the boss on the other side of the table is God Almighty himself? Scripture does not present a full scenario as what actually happens. There are visions of, in Zechariah that kind of illustrate this kind of similar situation. There are illustrations by Jesus that are given. And even the book of Revelation kind of presents a potential final review. There are several different types of personalities and scenarios and situations that could be played out in this you know, illustration of a final performance review. But for the sake of brevity, I'm only going to present two different kinds this morning. Scenario one. The first type is a person who enters the final review with God 
They are someone who brings an account of their performance as they see it. Whether they are confident or lacking confidence in the good review of their performance does not matter for this particular situation. For this scenario, they are simply hoping that they have done enough to please the boss, or well, God. They have written down everything they have done for God, for their neighbor, years of service to the church, the PTA, the local government. There are pages of awards and accolades that have included They point out their degrees, titles, achievements, bank account, tithe contributions, humanitarian efforts, and reduction of climate change courtesy of them. How many lives they have saved, how many animals they have saved, how many green leafy vegetables they ate, and are all accounted for on this review. They have won parent of the year, teacher of the year, preacher of the year. They have the largest congregation in their church and performed many mighty works and prophesied in the name of the Lord every week faithfully for 70 plus years. They are proud of their performance and are confident that this review is going to go very well. It doesn't matter which God is on the other side of the table because he'll be sure that he'll be impressed with the performance of my life, the review he thinks. God turns out to not be as expected and then states something similar to the following. I see that you brought your review with you and that you have chosen to present this to me with pride in your work. However, I am here to tell you that your pride in your performance is, how did Paul write it? Scubalon. That's Greek. You have to go look that up afterwards. That's your homework. God takes the review from the self-righteous soul and lights it on fire and drops it in the trash can by his desk. I have my review of your performance here at my desk. Not only is it bad, it's evil, fully sinful, and I don't even know you. You work here? I look at your performance and all I can see is your sin. Not only can I only see your sin, but I see that you are a sinner. I look at your performance and all I can see is filth. HR will not be in touch. Depart from me. Needless to say, this person has been fired. Sorry, these these are the jokes, kids. (laughs) So what performance then is expected? I mean, did did you hear all the list of things that this person done? I mean, in all our opinion and view, that was great. That was awesome. I hope, I, I I, I couldn't put all that down. That was fantastic. So if that's not, and if God just kind of like turned his nose up to it, what's going on? Remember the passage in Matthew where Jesus said, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. But you ask, if all of that didn't get them in, then what does? Be perfect. Matthew 5.48 says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the problem. Okay, your mind went two ways when I read that. Your mind went, okay, it's time to start being perfect. Or your mind went, that's impossible, I can't do that. And see, that's what I'm praying right now where the Holy Spirit is working on us all, including me to help guide us down the self-realization of which side of the response we should have. 
whether it's time to get it to work or time to cry for mercy, because there's a big reason why. And the Holy Spirit's good at that, y'all. It's his job to convict and to guide. And so I'm praying that he's doing that this morning. It's a problem to be perfect because I am not perfect and you are not perfect. The Bible says we have all sinned. Even Jesus ramped up the law. Remember that? It's like, oh, don't, you know, don't kill anyone. Don't, don't commit murder. Okay, check. I did that law. And Jesus comes by and says, now if you've even, you know, even called someone a fool, that you, you broke it. If, you've, if you have hate in your heart uh, uh, for your fellow man, for your neighbor, you know, that's according to God's law that Jesus exposed, that's, that's committing one of the, uh, breaking one of the commandments. It says, you know, do not commit adultery. And it says, well, well you know, I've been faithful. I haven't done that. And then Jesus ramped it up and said, nope, even if you have lust in your heart for someone else, you've broken it too. And that just about nails everybody, I do believe. So our righteousness, the best things we do, the most loving works that we do, our righteousness, the righteousness that we are able to earn, the righteousness that is our part, what we do, our action that is good, any good application to how we live our life is like a polluted garment, according to the Bible. Now, now don't hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that don't do good works. I'm not saying don't, don't try to be godly. That's not, that's not where this message is going. If that's what you're hearing, you're hearing it wrong. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That's Isaiah 64, 6. Paul writes in Romans 7, 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right and not the ability to carry it out. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wait, what? What? What, what, what? what did Isaiah just say? To his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Tell us, Isaiah, what is God talking about when he said that? Let us read the surrounding verses of this passage in Isaiah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with him, his wounds, with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Yet it, will, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many, many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. In Galatians, Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Peter wrote, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. First Peter also, in 1 Peter 2.24 we read, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So now we go to scenario two. In light of what we just read. That was, 
awesome. It's a, it's a game changer. It totally flips the script on how we view life, how we view our relationship with God. These verses that are telling us that God has laid on Christ the iniquities of us all, meaning all our sin was accounted to Christ's account for us. In light of this, let's look at the second review, the second scenario. This second person in our illustration, their performance review goes very differently because they are bringing someone else's performance review to give to their boss as if it was their own. That's a scandal. Can you do that? Is that allowed? However, the boss already gave this review to them many years earlier. You see, he gifted them with this performance review a long time ago to count in place of theirs. He took their filthy, ratchet performance review and nailed it to his son who died with it, was buried with it, and rose without it. The real record of the awful performance of this reviewee is gone, out of here, ejected, washed away. It is forgiven. It is forgotten. It has been removed as far as the east is from the west. Romans 5.12, our text this morning through verse 19 reads, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, by, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. That's not me saying it. That's God saying it. That's God making that wonderful promise to us. For our sake, he made him Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This second person has no hope in a performance review of their life, but his or her only hope is in the performance of Christ being counted as if it was theirs. Their only hope is that Jesus Christ, Son of God, died for their sins and promised that he or she would be where he is. He has made a covenant with them, independent of themselves and in spite of themselves. For his sake, they are in heaven. The hand of God takes this review from his child and smiles, saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
The faith that I gave you has clinged to this performance of Jesus for you. I am using the performance of my son to count as if it was yours, and it will go into your file. This is my gift to you. Based on the fact and on my promise to you, not only do I count your performance as perfect, I am well pleased with it. You are my adopted, chosen child. Welcome home. A very different outcome from any earthly performance review. At best, in our performance review, we might hope for a raise or maybe a, a different title. In this performance review, you go from enemy to heir. Because you did something great? No. Oh, hear me this morning. But because God did something great. While you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, Christ died for us. To claim us as his own. What this illustration is saying. This illustration identifies and illustrates the scandalous good news of the gospel. The good news that the performance of Christ is counted in place of the performance of sinners who have been given faith in his living and dying for them. In light of this, any anxiety over judgment day is unnecessary for the child of God, courtesy of faith in Jesus Christ. We can confidently and gladly look forward to our final review, knowing that it will be Christ's performance that is counted in place of our sinful performance. And maybe like me and you struggle, you hear that and you think, okay, that sounds wonderful, but I still sin. I still mess up. I have faith. I am, I am, I, that's the only hope I've got is Jesus. And something happened to me just recently, just praying and trying to get over, get past this particular thing and just and crying out to God is just praying like, you know, God, am I broken? See, that's an old Adam question. See, old Adam hopes he's broken because that means he's still alive. Old Adam is dead. No, no, no. I'm not broken. I'm dead. For I've been crucified with Christ. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. See, old Adam, that old Adam me that, I, that keeps messing up, he's been buried in Jesus' tomb over 2,000 years ago. When Jesus rose from that tomb, that old rascal stayed in there. And I've been promised that he's never, ever coming back. Whew, that's a relief. That, that kind of pressure's off. That kind of anxiety is off. We can, to the person who has faith in their personal final performance review, or only clings to their own performance review as they leave this world, are sadly blinded by the truth, and they will be the cause of their own destruction. To the person who has faith in Christ's performance for them, they'll be welcomed as a resident of heaven and child of God. Why? Because God said so. Because he promised that. 
He promised that everyone who has faith in Christ must be saved. Not might be, not potentially be, not hopefully be, must be saved. For Christ's sake, anyone in Christ must be saved. That's a different kind of language. Bank on the promises of Jesus Christ for you. Bet the whole farm on him. All of it. Just his cross and blood. All of it on him. It is truly over. Jesus Christ, Son of God, has taken your place on the cross. He is your hero, your savior, your substitute, and your victor. All by himself, he has earned the right to claim you as his. Everything we are, everything the church is, everything the Bible says revolves around this main theme. Christ for us. For Christ's sake, this is most certainly true. Not only has our sin been removed from us, but God has forgotten our sin. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Before the team comes up, there's one little story I want to share before I go into the invitation. What do you mean that the war is over? Or you know, what do I say when I say that? What am I talking about? I wasn't around for this, but I've read stories. I'm a big history nut. But I've been told there was, that World War II was a pretty big deal. I've been told that it was, you know, that everyone was involved, more or less. It was a whole effort. No matter which side you were on, everything was going at it. And for here, there was a lot of rationing. There was a lot of hard work. If you weren't over there, you were doing stuff here to make sure that it stayed afloat. You had Rosie the Riveters in places making sure that the planes were being built and bombs were being made. And it was work, 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 work. Imagine. That day, whether you're on the front line or you were here, and someone came running in and said, Stop! 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 Stop working! Stop doing this! The war's over. Can you imagine the celebration? Can you imagine the confetti falling from the sky? I mean, I'm a big sports guy. I love seeing confetti. That's a different kind of confetti when it's falling because a world war just ended. That's a big difference. It didn't matter who was sitting next to you. You were hugging them and you were shouting because the war was over. How much more? How much more? How much more exciting is it to hear but because of Christ's cross and blood? The war with sin is over. In him, in him, in him, he, he paid it all, all to him I owe. Crimson left a, sin left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's a big new kind of game changer. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. It's finished. I'm free. You are free. It is over. All because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As the team comes forward. The last thing Jesus said before he rose up to heaven was that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. To go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that he had commanded us. And to know that he was with us always to the end of the age. When Peter preached the gospel to a crowd in Acts, they asked him, Brothers, what shall we do? 
Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. After that earthquake in the prison that Paul and Silas were in, and their chains fell off and they stayed there, and that jailer whose job was on the line saw that they were still there and asked them, Sirs, what shall I do? What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. If you are here today, and this is the first time that you are hearing this good news, that Jesus died in your place, and that by believing in him, throwing everything on him, betting the farm, putting your faith and trust in him, saves you, that he saves you. Because let's be clear, it's not, I don't hope in my faith. I'm hoping in Christ. So my faith can go like this. Jesus stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're here this morning and want to hear specifically for you that your sins are forgiven, if you come forward, I will tell this to you to your face. If you, for the first time, are realizing, hey, this is something new, this is something that's going on, I want, to, I want to profess faith in Christ, I want to ask that he save me, I want to invite him to save me, if you come forward this morning, we'll pray for you too. All, all, all are welcome to come to him. Baptism is a wonderful gift from God that he connects certain promises with. If you would like to be baptized, come let us know. We would love to join the waters of baptism and set a date for this for you. Christians need the gospel too. Did you know that? I need to hear that every day. I need to be reminded every day. And if you too want to hear that your sins are forgiven, if you come forward, I will tell it to your face too. If you have a delayed reaction after this, say this service ends. And whether it's after we left and we're milling about and you're driving home, do not hesitate. Call me, call Pastor John, call anyone here and tell them that you want to profess faith in Christ, that you want to be a Christian, that you want to accept the gift. It's a gift. It's a gift that you didn't even ask for. It's been given already. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. and That's not what we're here for. We just want to love you and we just want to pray for you. And we make sure that this invitation goes out to each and every one in this room. If you need to go right now, that is more than fine. I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you throughout this week. We invite you to come to Jesus this morning. And before I go, the Holy Spirit invites you to do this morning to Jesus as well. You have heard the gospel and now you will hear this invitation in God's word 
Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears, come. And let the one who is thirsty, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. You come this morning. Believe in Jesus who died for your sins. Yeah.